In goes Stewart! They've only gone and done it! And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Boris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Glovers Cast. After last weekend's loss at Hemel, it's a chance to come back stronger, right or wrong, and all the cliches in between. Tonight, here to go again with even more cliches, it's Ben. Why, why have you introduced me as the man with the cliches? It's not Do just I, you. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. Okay. Just, I don't want people associating me with cliches. You're a bit late for that, mate. Quite, right. I am quite good at them. So. <laughs> okay, so Ben's here. Uh, um, Dave? I've been practicing kicking the ball out out of touch whenever uh, it lands at my feet. First opportunity I get. <laughs> How many opportunities have arisen? So- uh, one. one. I did. Okay. I did. I did have a dog drop a ball at my feet the other night. I did. I didn't kick it. That would have been unfair, <laughs> wouldn't it? But well, the dog. <laughs> Not the dog. The ball. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't want the RSPCA on me. And we're also delighted to welcome club director Mr. Reese Rosser to the Glovers Cast. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I'll uh, try and limit the cliches as best I can. Yeah, leave them no, to Ben. Leave them to Ben. Yeah. <laughs> have them. Have I'm them waiting, for, uh, waiting for Ben to chime in whether Rome wasn't built in the day. <laughs> Look, it's a podcast of two halves. You know, you go again. Uh, you're, you're, you're only as good as your last recording. So <laughs> there we go. See, told you. My checklist. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've literally got a document where we check them off as we go through. So yeah. that's a few of them down already. Um, firstly, Reese, did you manage a nonsense-free day on Wednesday? I had such a nonsense-free Wednesday. Oh, brilliant. Really enjoyed it. <laughs> Better Followed Dave. the mother's cast rules and <laughs> kept my head down. Good. Ben and Dave, did you also enjoy a nonsense-free day? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I checked my, as Ben's advice, I checked my uh, smoke detector batteries. That was done. I never got around to the nectar card, though. That's the only thing I'm worried about. But I'm assuming it's still in date. It's fairly new anyway. How many people have nectar cards? Oh, everybody has one. Yeah. Oh, you've got to get one now. Yeah. Yeah. Prices, mate. Cost saving. Yeah. yeah. I haven't got a Sainsbury's near me. It's only Sainsbury's, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Argos. Uh, yeah, BP. The BP have it, I think. It's BP as well. Mm. If anyone from yeah. Nectar is listening, sponsorship opportunities are available. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Other discount uh, and loyalty cards are available as well. I have to say, I'm a proud owner of a club card, uh, co-op card. You name it, I've got it. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not ashamed. I've got a wallet. I've got more cards than bloody payment cards. Do you have a Morrison's More card though? I have a yeah. Morrison's More card. I do. On the app. I do. An app. It's an app for me. It's not a physical card. I oh, know. I've got to have the app, so you just scan it and go. And you got a screw fix card, Dave. Oh, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, Stop yeah, shelling yeah. the merch. Yeah. No, no, no <laughs> omnipresent retailers will be coming near me. No. I let other people do DIY. I don't get involved in that. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, How was your nonsense free day? Ian? Yeah, it was uh, Freddie's birthday. So yeah. lots Pretty of nonsense, nonsense. actually. Lots of nonsense, yeah. Happy birthday, Freddie. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I'll tell him. <laughs> 
He'll be delighted. He probably yeah. heard it. He's still awake. You'll never guess who said happy birthday to you. <laughs> uh, right. So, Reese, earlier this year, you, you emailed me asking to be put in touch with a couple of supporters about removing he who must not be named. Um, I did. What, what was a journey from that email to where we are now and your position as a director at the club? Uh, long. It's probably the best way to describe it. But um, I got in touch with you guys when I first spoke to Martin about how we might be able to move things forward. And by pure coincidence, about four hours later, the stewardship was announced. And so everything went on pause. Then there was the announcement that that deal was over. And we decided that there was possibly a way forward. Although we were at a point when negotiations directly between Seller and Martin wouldn't really proceed in the best way. So Martin and I agreed that I'd take that forward. And it took us about nine days all in to get things from start to finish, which is extremely quick. But if that hadn't happened, I'm not sure we'd all be sat here. None of us would have died, but... <laughs> I was going to say, it's not that drastic. Some it? really oh, bad yeah. negotiations okay. have clearly yeah. taken place. <laughs> yeah. So was the, uh, the, the, the stewardship over by that point? Um, uh, or, or was it over in reality, but nobody quite admitted it was over. Because, uh, I mean, I remember Matt Ugler being their last game of the season and he was still knocking around them, wasn't he? So, but as far as you were aware, it was it was done. So I, I went to Borenwood last game of the season as well. And obviously Matt, Paul and co were all there. And then I think it was the following Tuesday when Matt tweeted to say, deal's yeah. off, it's done. Mm-hmm. At which point... I reached out to the seller and things gradually moved from there. But I don't think anyone was ever entirely clear on what the situation was. And maybe that's part of the problem at that time. But as I know you guys know, NDAs are an absolute nightmare. And even when we had the Glover's Cast meeting and the statement was put out by the seller even at that stage that had to be quite carefully written between everyone to say what it needed to say but not breach anything and it's sort of a tightrope between obviously what martin wanted to do was make sure everyone was aware of what's going on and have everyone know what what stage we're at but that isn't necessarily how everyone wants to do it and you can understand why because we saw when a deal is played out in the public eye as the stewardship was it has the potential to go wrong I didn't realise in myself actually that you had joined the process quite so late for want of a better term because Martin had expressed an interest for months in different guises there had been claims that he'd sent emails and bids and all the rest of it and others had come and gone but he'd always kind of remained constant over that year had you and martin had any kind of interaction prior to that sort of that first attempt that you were involved with no 
Wow. Didn't even it, know it each was, other, or were you like no, uh, friends? I so I grew up in Charlton Mackerel and used to go to Yeovil every weekend and then moved away because my parents moved away and have then followed things from afar but gone to games where I can. And things were clearly getting problematic, even more so in January. And so I thought, what can I do? And reached out to Martin because I'd seen obviously Martin was vocal on Twitter at that time and said, look, do you want me to try and help and to try and broker something? Then, of course, stewardship started and then we moved on from there. Once that was over, it was all hands on deck. Let's see if we can get this wrapped up so that there's still a club at the end of it. And Stephen Allenson was heavily involved in the process as well, was he? What? What? How, how did he help you guys along? Steve has an awful lot of insight, not just into Yeovil, but football more broadly, which I can hold my hands up and say at that time, although I love football, I know a reasonable amount about it, the inner workings and due diligence of buying a football club, not something you come across every day. Hmm. And so his guidance as to both to me and Martin as to what we were letting ourselves in for, if you like, was invaluable. He also knows a bit about insolvency as well, doesn't he? And we had him on, on, on there as well. I mean, that must have been a useful time to be at as well, because like you say, nobody knew what was going on or, or what was going to happen when, but he maybe had a little bit more insight due to his general knowledge in that topic. It, it was useful. And I can remember listening to Glover's cast with Steve. And part of the problem was... And it's quite a broad problem is that no one really knew whether the club would go into administration because although I think everyone had a sense that financially things were not rosy, it wasn't obvious that the club would go into administration given that there were buyback rights of the land associated with the club because it was never clear to me what would happen if the club went into administration in respect of those buyback rights and whether the seller would let that happen. Is that? Is that part of the reason why yourself and Martin made such a, a key point to make sure that both elements, both companies, for example, were part of the deal? That's been a stickling point for a number of other sort of attempts and fails of getting deals over the line. But it was swift. It was quick. But both elements, both companies were involved. And that was something that um, a lot of credit was was thrown the way of Martin and yourself for. There were multiple ways that you could structure the acquisition of the club and of the land. And with the long-term vision that Martin has, and I know that ultimately it's probably quite in line with the, the vision that the fans have of reuniting stadium surroundings and club, the only way that you could do that really was to make sure the buyback rights came with the companies. And so that was part of the difficulty in structuring it, albeit others had tried to do that and hadn't quite got over the line because of complexities that they will know better about than I will. Obviously, you, you grew up a Yeovil Town fan. Um, what is it like to be in that position of a Yeovil Town supporter, but now a director of the football club, I, I feel like for me, it's the kind of thing that sounds amazing. And then you get into it and it's like, oh my goodness, what have I let myself in for? Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. 
um it, it's very much highs and it's it's always a positive experience because it's something that you're enthusiastic about it's something that you have grown up knowing and when the deal happened it was pretty unbelievable that you know five months previous had no involvement with it was very much at arm's length and then to go from that into actually being involved with a club that I've known since I was about five is totally just it, it, you can't really explain it and then I came down to see Martin and to look around the ground and then to think back that all those Saturdays in the Thatcher stand obviously it wasn't the Thatcher stand back then but to then it's totally different and even walking out as the team came out on Saturday there's something about Yeovil as a club that's different to everywhere else it's got it's very much got its own identity it's very much got its own fan base it's very much got its own culture and that's always been the same and so the positives are that's massively something that's amazing to be part of what comes with that is the stress and challenge of what are you going to find tomorrow what's going to happen that we need to deal with tomorrow especially in circumstances where as i've said things weren't as rosy as they could have been in the weeks prior to Martin taking over. And it's been an emotional investment as well as a financial investment for everyone involved. And I think the emotional side is not something you necessarily see because it's not, it's like bottling up the emotion you have on a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock, but spanning it across a week and you're thoroughly invested. But I don't regret it for a moment. How much of a mess were things when uh, when when Martin came in, and, and how has that improved up until now? Recognising that you're only what a month or a couple of months in, aren't you? I think we are. What are we now? Three months. Three months. Three months on Saturday. Uh-huh. Uh, Not that you my, count him. No, I was actually. I can remember it was the twelfth of May. Um, <laughs> it was worse than I think anyone realised. Uh-huh. And Martin's openly said that there were people knocking on the door on the Tuesday and money was going out the door on the Tuesday. I think money was going out the door on the, on the Saturday, quite frankly. And having to restructure everything because there'd been a, a degree of loss of control with every single part of the club. And I'm not going to criticise anyone for that because there was the challenges of COVID. There was the uncertainty as to what the ownership situation would be. Combined with the general pressures of running the club, you can see what happened. But it was unstable when the takeover happened. That's before you even start thinking about football because... I know you guys were all concerned that there wasn't even a retained list at that point. Nobody knew what the club was going to look like from one day to the next. And it's those internal changes in terms of structure, finances, budgeting, which you have to do to be able to move it forward. 
you had to do that before we could start to look at what does this team look like? That then, if you like, is is the fun part of building what is actually a, a pretty strong squad with a lot of firepower, which is what's been missing. Against that, you've then also got the mass physical changes that have taken place there. Hewish Park looks totally different to how it did three months ago. And, and I'm not just talking about the seats or any small part of it. It is a total and utter rebranding. It is a total upgrade that everything that should have been done in the last three years has been done. It is a different stadium. And it's quite exciting that two days time, everyone gets to see that even more so than on the Tuesday night when Newport came. You will notice a difference compared to then. Yeah, I saw some, I saw some stuff up there today. Little sneaky peek. <laughs> lots of, yeah, lots of work going on still. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm told we're, I'm told we're, we're going to be ready to go. Well, I'll have a wander around tomorrow as well and see. Ready for storm at twelve thirty <laughs> on Saturday in the fan zone. Yeah, it will. Yeah, it's and, and I suppose I've been in the lucky position of being able, like working nearby, being able to walk around there, like three days a week in the summer and see all these little differences go. And every day you walk around, it's like, oh, some lines have been painted. Oh, some cabins have moved. Oh, that fence is green now. Oh, these new signs. And it's everything like, yeah, I've I've, been lucky to see that slowly progress. And I think for those who haven't seen that, I think it's going to be a big, big eye opener and a a good one. And we apologise for the county-wide shortage of green paint. (laughs) (laughs) All on Martin's hands, by the (laughs) sound Have you been have you been getting the paintbrush out? Are you are you doing I, more internal DIY bits and pieces? I just uh, annoyingly, I have a full time job as well as doing. Um, Don't no, give that an excuse. We've all got full time jobs. It's poor <laughs> excuse. Um, it's meant that I've not really been able to get down there as much as I would have wanted over the summer. Um, my grand plans of going down for a week have thoroughly faltered. <laughs> are you any good at painting anyway? Would you be allowed in? I doubt I'd be allowed to. Martin probably okay. has me with a will be like, yeah, there, here you go, Reese. You take that that bit of uh, wall that uh, nobody that. will see. And then Josh Dorton will come and do it all over again. <laughs> well, he's busy doing the um, busy doing the pitch tomorrow. Is he? <laughs> he does love his grass. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to touch on, on something you said there about how you've been involved in this football club's been part of you since you were five six or whatever it was we've seen the little picture of you yeah with your little name next to the hazelbury thing i just want you to take us back to that time who do you remember what players do you remember what games do you remember what really stands out for you as you were growing up with with your town football club so first game i can remember bizarrely and i was talking to mark about this is playing forest green at home on a tuesday night when mark cooper played for forest green it turns out we quite enjoyed that revelation um so i can remember that very very vaguely as a first game i can remember beating hereford 2-1 and then as we came all the oval fans came out no one was entirely clear whether it was yeovil or hereford fans that were hidden on the other side of the hill with bits of wood i remember that game memory of that dear yeah yeah 
a fight yeah. broke out as we were leaving the then Bartlett stand. A fight just broke out right in front of us. Yeah. And I remember we played Man United under 19s. I remember that one. Yeah. 5 1. Yeah. We played Southampton for Tony Pennock's testimonial, which yeah. is when that photo is from. Pretty sure Glenn Hoddle hit on my mum. <laughs> not sure if that not sure if that actually happened or if it's just sort of thing that your dad is that, tells is that how your mum tells it, is it? Yeah, well no, it's my dad that tells it. I'm pretty sure oh, yeah. it's been dining out on it. Yeah. Um, but I can remember so it would have been Tony Pennock, Warren Patmore, Anthony Tonkin, and then sort of the Darren Way, Nick Crittenden, who have is now I don't know if this is well known now back at the club um in the office. He's so an accountant was, now, isn't he? He is. He's yeah. back. Um, that was a bit of a shock to walk in and go, oh, that's Nick Crittenden, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> are, you in, are you in the wrong place? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then after I moved away, we still tried to go as much as we could, albeit that was limited to more sort of your North Wales, Shrewsbury, Chester. Did go to Villa Park for the 2-0 FA Trophy win against Stevenage and the entirely regrettable lost to Blackpool at Wembley. <laughs> still drying out now. I'm still not happy about it. I did no. mention to Marcus that I remember him missing that sitter where he <laughs> the bar, but I'm not sure. To, yeah, to be fair, we wouldn't header. have been there if it wasn't for Marcus Stewart, would it? No, so, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. We'll let him off. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a while yeah. to get to this, to this point. Well, important question I've got to ask. You mentioned Shrewsbury there that you went. Did you go uh, and, and have the cottage pie? Was it cottage pie, Ben? That we yeah, had it was a cottage pie. Yeah, it was it's, cottage it's, pie. It's Shrewsbury. The best halftime food I've ever had at football matches at Shrewsbury Town. Best halftime food ever. At <laughs> uh, best halftime food ever. Because well, they grilled the top. I don't know how they did it. They grilled the top. It was like yeah. crusty on the top. A little bit of cheese. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. And we won. And Paddy we won. Yeah, Paddy Madden got a couple. Yeah. Wow. We'll have to pray for a cup draw against Shrewsbury. There we go. As long as they still got the cottage pie, we'll go for yeah. it. Or bring cottage pies in, Reese. I mean, you have that power. Shrewsbury. There you go. You're the man who can. <laughs> that cottage pie van. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Stick that on your business card. Yeah. Reese Russell, cottage pie man. Sponsored yeah. by Ben Barrett. Ah, I'm okay with it. Anything with gravy. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you you mentioned about having a full time job. I mean, your, your your job isn't anything to do with football, is it? Am I am I right in saying you're a criminal barrister? Is that right? Not on. Right, and this is this is where you get all barrister and you don't quite answer questions. No, I always answer. <laughs> yeah. So so how does the how do the inner workings of uh, of a football club, uh, be, um, being a barrister, come together? Are they are they beneficial in any way or entirely beneficial because. Dealing with the stresses of Yeovil has been much easier having done that job for the last eight years. Right. I still think I got more nervous on Saturday before Hemel than I've been at any point in my career to date, which I'm not sure what that says about me. Yeah. But they're, they're relatively transferable skills in, in law that I do a bit of commercial stuff on the side and it, it, it all lent itself quite nicely to being able to do sort of negotiating contracts, sorting out creditors and things like that. It's been quite a good grounding. Yeah. When, when you do it at the club, do you wear the wig? 
that you do no, as a barrister? No, come on. Surely that's <laughs> got to be a perk of the job, isn't it, wearing the wig? It, it was in the car when I came down to Newport because it comes straight from court, but I thought <laughs> I should probably going to stay there. You should have put it on. <laughs> I've got this image in my head of you organising a transfer with the player <laughs> and Martin Hellier just in full judges paraphernalia <laughs> with the gavel. Yeah. Done. Oh, we don't have sentence. Guilty. No, <laughs> sentence to two and a half years. Have you got a green and white one? Oh. Yes. Wig. Yeah. Oh. I want to get one, really. Yeah. That's the next, that's the next, like, club think, yeah. merch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think so. really, really push them out. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Right. I want to see that in the club shop, along with the cottage pies. Cottage pies. There's a list, there's a list for me there. We are absolutely making up for the nonsense free day on Wednesday. <laughs> nonsense today. I'm going to have a busy Friday at this rate. <laughs> yeah. Comes um, to negotiating player deals more than anything else. Have you noticed there's a real challenge, mainly partly because of location, because of what, what challenges have arisen when you've had to go to a player and go, come to Oval, please? Location is an issue that it, it's quite difficult to find players that have already got any sort of route in Yeovil or, or nearby. And so it becomes more difficult to get players to move down because it's such a change. You know, at the end of the day, they've got families and children that are all set up. And for them to make the jump is, is quite significant. What's been particularly unique about the way it's happened this summer is you're not necessarily selling a contract, you're selling the journey. And I appreciate that does sound like a massive cliche, but it wasn't planned. <laughs> Ben's jealous now that you didn't think of that one. <laughs> you can put it on a T-shirt if you want, Ben. Um, it's been explaining to players who maybe have been at a higher level before that this is where we are now and this is where we want to be and this is what role we want you to play with with that journey and the buy-in has been quite strong on that because Mark is enthusiastic about it Martin's enthusiastic about it I'm enthusiastic about it all the players are on board with it there's a different atmosphere at the ground and so when players come down to have a walk around before they decide what they want to do half the battle's won because yeah you might be able to go and sign for a mid-table national league team or you can come sign for us and see where we are in two, three years' time and be part of that. And, and that's part of why we've been able to recruit the way we have. And does that then apply also with those that have stayed? It would have been very easy for those handful of people, even those who were within contract, to say, after the last year, stuff it. No, I'm off. See you later. Or those who have had the chance to leave, Matt Worthington probably being the biggest of them all. Do those same conversations have to take place of, hang on, no, no, this is different. We're, we're, we're doing this differently now. They, they need to take place, but not as obviously, because being around it, and, and as Ian says, walk, walking around there every three days, you get a sense of it. Being around that day to day, even when the players weren't necessarily in during the off season, they knew what was happening. They knew what the changes were. It may be a little thing that, you know, Staunce and Wildalls are in painting and doing jobs, but that was really indicative of what the mood was. 
and where the momentum lay. And therefore, it was actually quite straightforward to get players to stay. There weren't many examples of people having their heads turned. No, I was just saying, I can't argue with that way of going about it. I can't. So ahead of this weekend and Saturday, we've got the much anticipated fan zone. That is a, you know, there's been a couple of things there. We've got Storm forming behind the Thatchers. Is there anything else up your sleeve? Have we got Viva Pitch or the Wurzels coming in? I think it's going to be a case of we'll see what we can do during the season. There's, there are discussions, not with the Wurzels. Viva but... Pitch. Viva Pitch. Though. <laughs> <laughs> hasn't ruled out Viva Pitch. There. Haven't ruled out Viva Pitch. Um, there's there's ideas forming about how to take that to the next level and to see take what that oh sorry sorry yeah that's it's actually just going to be Gary Barlow <laughs> it's a Gary hint that's a hint he's dropped a hint we'll do a cover of the 2000 and whatever it was Gary Johnson promotion song that they released <laughs> I was born on a Yeovil Saturday no you weren't Gary from Manchester yeah sorry you were saying something I, I think it's a case that let's see how it all works on Saturday and then we work from there because it's an entirely new thing. It's something that Martin wanted to do from the off. This has always been something he wanted to work towards because it's a missed opportunity. And once we know how it works, it's the same as what I've said before. It gets momentum and it grows. We've already had people suggesting bands, bands coming to us to say that they want to perform there. It, it should be something that builds quite nicely mm. and then leave it with us. We'll see what we can get. Yeah. I mean, having seen these at other clubs, I remember um, the start last season, Scunthorpe had one in their, in their car park, went down really well. And um, they, uh, it was all sort of fans mingling together. Is that going to be, is it our away fans allowed uh, into the, into the fan zone for this one or? Dave, I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm going to answer your question. I don't know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out Saturday. You will find out. If, yeah, you, yeah. if you see a St Albans shirt, you'll know the answer. That, that's it. Right, okay. Right. And if I see him climbing over the fence, uh, I like Glastonbury Festival, then, yeah. Yeah. Really paid off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, as I say, that that's definitely been one of Martin's projects. Yeah. And I'm quite excited to see how it how it all unfolds. I think if we've said once and said it, said it a million times, I don't know, we're not original everywhere. Loads of people have said it, but the, the, the opportunity for the club to be more than just a, on a match day is enormous, isn't it? I mean, you see football, I live in Lancashire, in Preston North End, I know were one of the first clubs that did it. They introduced, a, they put a gym in the stadium, they put NHS offices and they brought the National Football Museum. I'm not saying we can bring the National Football Museum, but but they were one of the first clubs that, that made it more than just a... Um, first clubs outside the Premier League, as you probably say, but to make it more than just a, a match day experience. And it's things like this, isn't it? Uh, you think Yeovil being the place that it is, it's not, we're not, uh, there's not a wealth of places for people to go for live entertainment. And if you can do it on a Saturday, 
then 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 great. But then there's nothing to say that that can't become a come a thing in the summer, in the at Christmas or wherever on those kind of occasions. There's it just opens up other opportunities, doesn't it? And you don't know until you try it, do you, whether people are going to turn up? No, absolutely. And that's the longer term vision is to make it more than a football club because, yeah. as you say, there's it, it's. I talked about the challenges of players not having roots down there, but at the same time, that's something of an advantage because it's not like there are other clubs in the immediate vicinity that you're having to compete with or other attractions or other facilities. And so it does put Hewish Park in the slightly unique situation of being a development opportunity. And that doesn't mean building a load of houses. No. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. I think one of the, with, with all this going on on Saturday as well, I think one of the challenges, it's fair to say, at the weekend was the uh, alcohol um, at this level and, you know, the challenges that that brings around. Mark Cooper talked about it in his press conference as well. What's the situation at the weekend? Are we, part, are we able to take our thatches into the terrace? Uh, they... The decision's never straightforward mm. because various people have to be consulted. It's licensing, it's security, it's the police. And I expect, I know this goes out tomorrow morning, so later today, there'll be an announcement from the club about what the decision's going to be and what the approach is going to be. Mm. But I think it's important to say that everything is going to remain under review. If it becomes apparent that things work, we'll stick with it. If it becomes apparent things don't work, we'll change it. If there's a particular um, strong impact that's felt of it, we'll review it because previously perhaps decisions have been made without necessarily enough thought as to what the impact is. And that's something we're keen not to do. And for the avoidance doubt, I'm not dropping hints in my answer. That's that's just how the approach is going to be. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, we've talked about revenue streams for the club for I don't know how long. But, and I know this, you know, if you get promoted, it's not, you know, it's not going to be a thing. But if you're able to do that on a match day and people are able to handle their drink and not impact, you know, the pit, the game and, and have, a, have a detrimental effect, then that extra income will be massive for the football club as well. That's why it's such a big decision. Mm. And that's why it's a decision that even when you make it, it's one that, you're always able to revisit. Drink responsibly, folks. <laughs> so I want to ask about the fans in general. Um, I'm not sure we've seen 2,000 uh, pre-season friendly for a long time. Um, we were told 700 away fans, officially, maybe a smidgen more, at Hemel, more. which made, um, made it more than 50% of the actual attendance and we think that that might happen on more than a few occasions this season what's been your reaction when you spoke to fans not to us here with the record light on but when you've bumped into people at Hewish Park or when you've sort of had casual conversations with people what 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 have people said to you about the way that things are feeling it's different that's the main thing We, we all know that it's been far too long of almost dreading the football starting going limping through pre-season rather than playing attacking football, looking convincing going forward, but also 
having the infrastructure to back that up, that there are positive things happening, there are positive changes being made. And everyone that I've spoken to says it feels different. It, it feels like a positive experience. And that's what we want to focus on, which is to make going to Hewish Park something that people not only want to do themselves, but want to say to people they know, you know what, I went down to Hewish Park and it's so much better than it used to be. The team are great. It's a great atmosphere. You ought to come down. Because if we were able to get nine, ten thousand when we were in the championship, the fan base is there. It's just about tapping into it and growing it. One thing I'll say about Saturday was that um, for the first time, as long as I can remember, the people who was in the bar with didn't say uh, when when I said, "Oh, are we going in?" They didn't say, "Oh God, do I have to?" There were there were people actually leaving the bar earlier. Maybe because they thought it might be a bit of a queue to get in as well, but leaving like with 20 minutes, half an hour to go, which is unheard of for some people, I can tell you. So that that that, that vibe is definitely, I know Saturday didn't go the way we wanted it to, but that vibe feels like it's there. It felt like it had a good vibe in the stand as well. Mm. I know D Dave, you and I pretty much stood next to each other, unfortunately for you. <laughs> um, Unfortunately and, for you as well, Reese. Thank you, well, mate. I was, I, I was, yeah, I was very well behaved. I have to say, very well behaved. <laughs> um, it, it was, it was a good atmosphere. It was a positive atmosphere, and it's, it's difficult when the result goes the way that it did. Mm. And it's just an example of how fine the margins are. Then another one for your cliche tally. Yeah. The, the JMD offside, whether it was offside or not, I'm not going to comment. That goes the other way. The ball goes out of play after Boosie kicks it. That goal doesn't go in. You're off the back of at least a 1-0 win. It's an entirely different feeling for the rest of the week. And the one thing that became apparent to me on Saturday is it has such an impact on how everyone is emotionally that everyone's so invested in this now. I mean, I'm not talking about just us but I'm talking about the fans more than anything that everyone is so behind the team to do well and so wants this to work that when it doesn't it's even harder to take than it used to be because we're not necessarily used to that feeling of well that wasn't supposed to happen and I say three supporters in front of me definitely thought JMD scored. And I won't say who any of them are, but I'm looking at one of them right now. <laughs> there was there was definite wild celebrations going on. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, I won't say what the response was when they realised it was offside. But yeah, they were straight into it, I have to say. <laughs> Emotional investment, Dave. Yes. <laughs> it was, it was. I wanted to join you, but uh, yeah, sadly I'd seen the, yeah, the flag up, but. For once, Dave Mark saw Cooper something. said it was offside. Yeah, for <laughs> once I saw it. And it was right down the other end as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mark Cooper said it was onside today. He, his, yeah. his view was that it was onside and should have counted. But And he's not biased at all. No, no. Straight as they come. What do you think you'll feel like when the first win does come, whether that's Saturday, Tuesday or, or whenever? I, do you think I there'll think... be like a line in the sand moment of, right, be we're running now. It better be, yeah. Um, <laughs> so... I got far too invested in the Newport game that I I cannot sit down at a football match. I noticed you were stood up the whole time. I, I can't do it. To the extent that I got told off for standing up and I was told to sit down by, um, by a member of staff. I was like, I didn't realise, sorry. 
Um, and I did follow the follow the orders and I did sit down. But it doesn't take much for me to get invested in a football match. And Saturday is a chance to, as you say, draw a line in the sand, double up that cliche. And then we've got four home games in a row. Playing at Hewish Park is totally different. I almost said totally different ball game. It's totally different to what we had on Saturday, both in terms of the pitch itself, the size of the pitch, but also the atmosphere. And it's our ground. The facilities at Hemel weren't great in terms of changing rooms. It's not what we're used to. It's not an excuse. And I think Mark's been consistent in that, that we're going to have bad pitches. We're going to have bad facilities. We're going to have to learn to play on them. But the chance to play at Hewish Park in front of what is hopefully a crowd nearer to those that we used to see and early signs are it will be from ticket sales is something I'm very excited about and the feeling at the end of it, if it all goes to plan, should be Newport times 10 or been well. Times 10. But I'll be sat down. Yeah, exactly. You won't yeah. be, though, will you? You won't be able to sit down, <laughs> I don't think. I, I was going to ask, that. obviously, you're in the terrace at, at the weekend. Do you foresee that that's where you're going to spend your time or do you think you'll go in with uh, your fellow directors in, in that area going forward? It's quite a difficult question to answer because I'm probably a very different football supporter when I'm in the terraces to when I'm sat in the directors area stood sat (laughs) that i mean i've as i say i've been going to football matches since i was five whether it's yeovil england or any other team that happens to be nearby and i get way too emotionally invested in football and i do not have the greatest self-control especially when it comes to celebrating offside goals as dave's told (laughs) so i think in the short term it's going to have to be best behavior set an example in the director's box but I know there's certainly a couple of away games that I will want to go to and want to be in the stands and and it's just a case of tempering that excitement to be slightly more responsible. Are any of those endorse it? Couple. (laughs) I was going to ask one thing about this football club that has always been sort of prevalent is the teams within the teams you've got your goalies you've got your strikers you've got your outfielders but you've also got your management team and you've got your off the field team and actually some of the problems have arisen when they've overlapped what's your what's the um i don't know what i want to call it uh, the the boardroom team look like how does your team work together how do you bounce off each other it's quite a good system in that martin obviously is very enthusiastic and emotional about what he wants to do and the approach to take but to his credit he will listen to people and he will want people's input on it and there is active discussion about decisions that need to be made but equally if there is something that he doesn't know about or he thinks that someone knows better about he'll just defer to them and that's a real advantage to have and he was very clear when this all started when it comes to football Mark's in charge of the football 
And that's quite important because there isn't any of this, even the thought of someone going into a, a changing room and telling someone what to do. That just wouldn't happen. It's not appropriate. That there are, whilst there are distinct teams, they do all interlock quite nicely. I probably speak to Mark most days. I speak to Stuart Robbins most days. I speak to Martin every day. I speak to Mark Robinson every day. Everyone knows what they're doing and everyone respects each other enough to know when someone knows better and just let them get on with it. Because ultimately everyone sort of trusts each other to do the right thing. Because at the heart of it, people will criticise. They'll criticise Martin, I'm sure. At least one person listened to this podcast and go, oh, what's he got to do with it? He shouldn't have said that. I don't mind that. But the one thing that's absolutely certain is everyone in that boardroom has the best interests of Yeovil at heart. And for me, to be honest, coming into this, that was all that mattered. As long as everyone wanted to put the club first and to put it back where it should be, I don't really mind any of the stuff on the side because that's all that really matters. Saying that, you mentioned uh, Stuart Robbins there, and I know he was uh, he was obviously at the game at Hamill. I sort of saw him there. What's his involvement? Because it no secret to anybody that that he wasn't part of uh, of, of Martin's uh, team, uh, takeover team. But obviously, he is still uh, a director and still a, a shareholder as well. How has he been brought into the fold, or how does that work? Stuart's been really useful in that he's obviously been there for the last year there's been lessons learnt as to and I, I'm not, I don't say that negatively about Stuart I'm, I mean it about other people lessons learnt about what does work and what doesn't work Stuart's also got a great relationship with the players and with Mark if you go there early on a on a Saturday the players are genuinely pleased to see Stuart and talk to him it's a really good link between the boardroom and the team and he is a very calm people person. You know, you can put Stuart in a room with someone and he will absolutely guarantee get on with them because he's just a genuinely nice bloke. And so it's it's that positive experienced influence that's been really helpful. We, we talked on the last podcast about wonderful teeth. There's one thing I'll say about Stuart Roberts. He has got a fantastic set of teeth. Him and Jake Waddle have had a real fallout over who's got the best teeth. <laughs> there you go. That's who we talked about last time. <laughs> Saying we should get sponsored by Sensodyne. Yeah. What's the What's the consensus, Jake Waddle or him? That's a no-brainer, isn't it? I don't know. You tell us. Um, tell us, yeah. Fully Team Waddle. They are a sensational set of teeth. <laughs> it's the first thing I said to him when I met him. Actually, it wasn't. I think I'd had a, I'd had a couple of pints with him afterwards and then said... You really have got excellent teeth, haven't you, Jake? <laughs> you don't drink black coffee, do you, Jake? No, no black coffee, no Diet Coke. <laughs> brilliant, absolutely Damn. brilliant. Terrific. Damn. I don't think I've got... There's no more questions on our question document, lads. Yeah. We're out. We're out. We're, we're <laughs> tapped out. Well, there's one. Ooh. Oh, no. There's one. There's and always I think, one. I think we need to address the elephant in a room. We mentioned it to Martin when he was on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just remember. I just realised what this is now, yeah. Yeah, we've got to talk about it. Um, yeah. Young Apprentice. Yeah. Three weeks under the watchful eye of Sugar, of Hewer and Brady. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. 
tell, tell us a little bit about that. How, how much fun was that? The moral of the story is don't go on a reality TV programme when you're 17 because people will still ask you about it when you're 31. <laughs> yes. yes, we will. Um, it was not unenjoyable, but a pretty unusual experience that what you don't see is that for every hour of episode there's about 60 hours of film that they cut down you're woken up at 6am every morning with a camera in your face when you're in your pajamas everything you do is scrutinized you're followed all the time everyone is in a competition and it is absolutely exhausting you're not allowed any contact with the outside world you're not allowed newspaper phone everything you take in gets searched you're only allowed certain books you get a packing list it is all incredibly regulated. And all you have to do is sort of Google what's the truth behind The Apprentice and see various people who have come out and said, oh, you wouldn't believe about what the boardroom actually is to know that at the end of the day, it's a TV programme. It's got to be entertaining. Um, I don't, I don't, as I say, I don't regret it because it's in some ways led me to here and now, but it's an incredibly stressful experience to go through at 17 and I certainly wouldn't put myself forward for the adult version. <laughs> and Alan Sugar's very short in real life. That was I read this. <laughs> I was looking at it. I Googled it and you said he's shorter in real life than the telly makes him look. Yeah, really short. <laughs> I was reading an article and it said how, um, I, I almost verbatim, how axed junior apprentice star <laughs> got over his own height complexion. As a fellow short man myself, I've been there with his Alan Sugar comments or something like that. And I read it through and he went, Alan Sugar's a lot shorter in real life. (laughs) It was a a great headline. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, you were kind of in that sweet spot of like internet and TV. So it's not all over the internet too much. (laughs) No, it could be much worse. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously with all of the... Nowadays, when you make a decision and when something happens, of course, it goes straight on Twitter and everyone can have their say. And from personal experience, because that all happened right at the start of when Twitter became popular, it is utterly addictive to look at people slagging you off on social media. Um, And so that's been quite a useful life lesson to be able to (laughs) say to people, just just don't read it, just don't look, because it just makes you feel worse. A lesson you're still using today. I've never met Keith from Leicester, but he thinks I'm a right useless. <laughs> I wouldn't listen to a word Keith says. He doesn't. He doesn't make any no, we sense. Don't like anyway. We don't like Keith. We never have no. liked Keith. Um, <laughs> I. Who would you rather get stuck on a desert island with, Lord Sugar or Martin Hellier? Not Martin Hellier. Yeah, just like that. It'd be entertaining. Would he get you home? How would he get you home? What? 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 You know. What's the reason behind that? It was very This isn't Lord of the Flies, is it? No. Uh, well, how would I mean? Lord Sugar's about eighty now. <laughs> he wouldn't survive. He's not going to build me a raft. No. <laughs> Martin's, Martin's going to paint me a ship off there. <laughs> He'll paint it green. Like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's made his own paint out of palm tree leaves. <laughs> what Pantone is the colour? Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but now I, look, I, people have and, and will criticize martin but as i said before if there's one thing that i'm entirely confident of it's ultimately wants the best for the club 
if things hadn't happened the way they did, there might not be a club. And there's not really very much to be gained by criticising and saying what if. I'd much rather we had an owner who cared than no owner at all. Who's less likely to buy your dinner? Alan Sugar or Martin Hallier? Martin Hallier always always buys dinner. He always buys dinner? I don't think Alan Sugar ever bought me dinner. Oh, no, he did once. There there was a slightly weird... The the programme must have bought you dinner. Yeah, the programme did. There was a slightly weird post-filming reunion dinner that we went to. I slightly blanked that out. Couldn't tell you much about it. <laughs> it's not. It wasn't the Langs. No. <laughs> Just no, to plug no. another Yeovil Town sponsor. No, they wouldn't be. Any others you want to get in? Bradford's. Bradford's. Yeah. Big, big partnership with Bradford's. Yeah. Historic. <laughs> good announcement video on Saturday. Very good. And uh, final question on that: uh, Which one would you rather run a football club with? Well. If it was Alan Sugar, I'd be running Spurs. <laughs> In about 1999, yeah. <laughs> and, and Spurs do not have Hewish Park, so again, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, there's more silverware at Hewish Park than there is at uh, there is. Spurs Stadium, I nice. promise you that. Yeah. I think we've, we have won a trophy more recently. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All for Spurs, Bashing. Oh. Keep it up. <laughs> Essential. Okay, well, one last one then. Which, which one, Martin Hellier or Lord Sugar, is more likely to ring you up and say, you're a defence barrister, right? I think we all know the answer to that. <laughs> Lord Sugar's been on already, is he? Just a missed call. Yeah. Oh, dear. I want you to kind of sum this little bit up by just saying a little bit about what you're, how you're looking forward to, to Saturday at home, Hewish Park, first under the new era, all that's gone before it and all that may hopefully come from the, from the future of it. What are you looking forward to this Saturday afternoon? Um, so my dad used to take me to Yeovil every Saturday and he's not been to Hewish Park for 20 years. So he's coming, driving down from Wales on Saturday morning to come and watch Yeovil play for the first time. And I think the last time we went to an away game must have been about 2012. So he'll go for the first time to Hewish Park. And it's a bit weird that I'm taking him, not the other way around. That we are... I think, and I certainly hope, at the beginning of a journey onwards that isn't a slow decline down the football ladder where we dread playing football every week. We dread to think what's round the corner, but what actually starts to be built is not only a team that's solid on the pitch, but a team that's solid off the pitch, that it's there for the fans to be part of as things get better. And all I can say is it is one of the best feelings I've ever had hearing Hewish Park two minutes before kickoff. It doesn't compare to anything else. You know, I've I've been to Wembley, Millennium Park, Old Trafford, Millennium Park, Millennium Stadium, Principality as it is now, Old Trafford, Villa Park, the new Spurs ground, and nothing hits quite the same as being back at Yeovil and hopefully on Saturday everyone else will feel the same and will feel exactly as I do that this is the new beginning of Yeovil Town growing into as as Dave touched on before something that's more than just a football club 
I'm, well said that, man. I'm going to say, we can all look forward to that, I think. All look yeah. forward to that. Yeah. Well, we, we, we are remiss. We have not asked the, the most important final question of Ooh, all, yeah. which we ask all of our, our guests when they come on the Glovers cast. You walk into, you can choose your supermarket of choice. Ooh. There's a meal deal on offer, drink, snack, and a main. What are you going for? Right. I have actually thought about this. I had a really long concept. <laughs> yeah. He was disappointed when we didn't ask him, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I was thinking, I'm used yeah. to being missing. <laughs> Sainsbury's smoked ham and cheddar, granary bread, staple. That is a classic, that is, yeah. Salt and vinegar walkers crisps. <laughs> Unless I feel like I need to be healthy, in which case I'll have those carrot sticks with hummus. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 he's ruined it. Dave Fry is celebrating at home. <laughs> it's all going so well. <laughs> the offside flag's just gone up for Dave. Sack yeah. the board, sack the board. <laughs> <laughs> and then a Lucas Aid Sport. Oh, as Meatloaf once said, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> yeah. That's to be fair, you give my only half a point down because because it was it was uh, salt and vinegar crisps and you punched the air when you heard so salt, vinegar with salt and vinegar crisps. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's normally salt and vinegar. In, the flag goes up, hummus and carrot sticks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> mind you, I tell you what, Morrison's do a cracking smoked salmon salad in a meal deal these days. I'm not a man for a salad, but it's excellent. Right. Okay. Get the Morrison's more card out for Morrison's that one tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Has, has Mark Cooper had you on the, what was it, kombucha? Yeah. Yeah. No. Didn't, yeah. no. Um, but my mum drinks it, so I'll um, I'll be sure to let her know that Mark approves. Oh, Fermented Chinese tea, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much to Reese for. Um, having a chat with us there and I think uh, hopefully we are all looking forward to Saturday but before we get there and obviously before we get to the bit that we're all really waiting for which is the uh, the return of former or current Glover's Cast quiz champion as he is now uh, Rob Manley and the quiz we've got some GCQs do you want me to start I've got a couple on Facebook I do go for it okay. you want me to start okay um, so uh, Gary Cable Gary Cabell, I should say, asked, and I'm not sure if this is directed at us or whether it's directed at the club, but he says, have you changed the coffee coffee from the cups of mud? Were we selling cups of mud at any point? Or? Personally, uh, here at, at Barrett <laughs> HQ? Yeah. No. No. You can no. say I've never sold a cup of mud in my life or coffee, but uh, do you think that's a suggestion that the coffee wasn't great at Hewish Park last season? Gary, we're not doing I mean, it for you. I've I've had a coffee out there. I think it's all right. I mean, what do you expect from a, you know, it's not like Starbucks, is it? And I don't even really like Starbucks. What we should, I mean, if there's a coffee, if you could pick any coffee uh, thing, coffee, uh, a barista to come to Hewish Park and do it, I would pick Finca, which is in town. Um, if they want to advertise, feel free. Um, that's a proper coffee, proper coffee shop. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I don't. Uh, I mean, we don't. That's not a question for us, Gary. No, I don't think. I don't. Say. I don't think it is. But I was. Yeah, I was a bit. I was a bit perplexed. Anyway. Um. So John Margit asks, with the Premier League all but here. I don't know what podcast he thinks this is. John, come on. Uh, who, in your opinion, has been the best and worst transfer of the transfer window so far? It's a, it's a Premier League question, I think. 
um, having worked on it at work a little bit, yeah, go on. I think I think Villa have had a good transfer window. In so much as I think they've kept some of their better players, I was expecting Emmy Martinez to go by now. Mr. Uh, Villa, here we go. Villa have had a good window. Um, Arsenal have had a good window. Need a couple more, but Arsenal have had a good window. Can I just say I don't think Kai Havertz is a very good player, and I don't think he's worth the money that they paid for him. Well, none of them are worth the money that they've been paid for. Mm. Money, silly. Um, worst transfer window. I reckon Ian's favourite move of the transfer window is Harry Kane to buy Munich. Yeah. Let's see. The gooner in him coming well, out. The Spurs have had the worst transfer window, if that happens. Yeah. Well, it's happening, isn't it? <laughs> Sounds like it's there happening. Go. There you go, John. There you go. That's Thumbs enough Premier League. Thumbs down Spurs. Okay. Enough Premier League on the Glover's cast. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. And the now, last one now, is... Give it six years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. You heard Reese. You heard where we're going. <laughs> Um, right, Benjamin Mahoney. If National League South had a fantasy football league similar to the official Premier League one, how many oval players would you have in your team for this weekend? Maximum of three. Defenders, uh, and which defenders for clean sheet? Oh no, which would you pick? Defenders for a clean sheet points or attackers for goals assists? Attackers. Yeah. Murphy, JMD, and. Uh, I'm going to go Pardon? Noobs Noobs is getting there for me Those two are noobs I'm going to go with a wide man I'm going to go for Whittle Crosses in the box Oh, oh yeah Someone who, someone who, who assists um, Yeah I reckon JMD would, would get you some assists I'd probably I'd put Jake Hyde in there now I, I reckon he'll be I, I reckon we might even see him start on um, on Saturday Jake Hyde I Well see him. That is a terrific segue to a question from Callum, hello, Callum Hallett on Twitter. To be uh, fair, evening. Callum Hallett knows all the answers, so he should be telling us, really. Yeah, Hyde, Murphy, or Nuble for Saturday. You can only pick two. Why, why can't I pick two? I want all three, please. Hypothetical Hi- question uh, is uh, you can only pick two. I would say Hyde and Nuble. I would to start because uh, Hyde is uh, fresh um, from. Uh, not playing at the other weekend. Uh, I think fresh I think, from doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, fresh from doing nothing. I don't think you could. Uh, could you put Hyde and Murphy together? I don't know. I think I, I'd I'd rather have Newball up there. I think he offers something a bit different. And I would fancy Murphy uh, coming off the bench. You could see him being a um, a, a threat. Whilst I don't think you lose anything by changing J Card for for uh, Reese Murphy. I think you they're, they're sort of similar. Caliber of uh, of player. I want. I part of me wants to see Hyde and Murphy together sooner rather than later. Uh, I'm going to go for Noble and Murphy. There you go. We've all picked one there, haven't we? <laughs> We've all picked it. We've all made a decision, other yeah. than Ben's initial warning. All three. Yeah. Uh, Mike says hello. Hello. Hi, Mike. Big four games coming up at home. How many points do you see us coming away with? 30. <laughs> 30 out of four games. <laughs> Mathematics for the insane. Um, 12. I'm going 10. Where's the draw? Third one. Maidstone? Yeah. Why? Um... They, 
Maidstone see us get two good wins and decide to shut up shop. And it's a it's a it's a one all a Jake. <laughs> I think Truro will be interesting, depending on you know mm. if they go and score a boatload of goals again um, on Saturday and come in with confidence. That could be an interesting game. But I yeah, I'm... well, we got to win. We got to win. Win them all. Got to win them all. Yeah. <laughs> Twelve. You heard ass. it. You heard. You heard it here first. Until uh, until he... Sunday when it's um, I'll I'll, I'll work that. Uh, he also has another question because um, I think we are recording this on the anniversary of the passing of Adam Stansfield. And he's asked if we have a favourite Adam Stansfield memory aside from the goal at Villa Park. The goal at Villa Park is the reason I'm sat on this Zoom call. I've said this before. The goal at Villa Park, he runs into me. Um just to look out for that when I saw it on the um yeah you were quite clear yeah yeah you can see me and then my dad in behind my dad's going nuts that's that's that'll stick with me forever and a ever in a day that's one of those special father-son moments and special moments that means I am a Yeovil fan um it's really weird one of my other I, I've seen him I saw him a couple of times for Exeter I saw him tear Farsley a new one up here when they were in the same level and scored a couple of goals up here at Farsley. But then obviously him scoring against us and not celebrating. Like that's that's a thing you see on the telly when players score against you and don't celebrate and people make a deal out of it. That's the only thing you see on that on the telly. But um, that one always just comes to my mind because he didn't do it. He refused to do it right in front of the Thatchers. Nice goal too. I remember seeing Adam Stansfield's debut. Uh, and we lost 3-0 away at Southport on a Friday night. Uh, it was Adam Stansfield um, playing up front with Chris Giles and Kim Grant. So there you go. That was the um, that was my first bet. And I remember uh, looking at him thinking, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> I remember <laughs> he was a little bit like running around like a headless chicken for, um, for, for, for that game. But then I've just called up the 2001-2002 and then he, he hit a run of form at the beginning of January and he scores, um, what's that? He's got uh, six in seven uh, and eight, eight, in, eight in nine games consecutive. So yeah, it, that, that was that was really when he, uh, he came of... Uh, Came of age, including one. I do, actually, I do remember one he scored at um, uh, at Northwich in the in the FA Trophy, which I think was um, uh, yeah, not the would have been the quarterfinal, I think, at North, um, away at Northwich that got us through. Obviously, we did all right in the FA Trophy that year. So yeah, a terrible debut at, at Southport. That's one thing I remember about. Him. But he came on. He, he came good in the end. Uh, I remember when we won the conference. Uh, and they all came around, all the players came around the schools and like showed off the trophy and everything. And uh, it was that phase where I think David Beckham had a mohawk and that was like a hairstyle and everyone was trying to do that sort of thing. And uh, he asked me if I was meant to be a chicken because um, <laughs> <laughs> my hair was spiky in the middle. Um I also, and it's, this is like a someone else's memory, but they've told us this story um, when Gary Johnson told us about him telling Adam to go and boot the ball against the back of the away mm. end to practice his technique and how to kick the ball properly. And it's just like, uh, 
just how far he came from when he signed us from booting a ball against a, <laughs> the back of a stands of how to kick the ball like a professional footballer to like where he went on to to reach. That was the other thing after that final, wasn't it? That interview when yes. he said, uh, when they asked him, <laughs> how far you've come. <laughs> That's one thing um, people remember, Borja. Without, without wishing to jump on and, and get sort of on a bandwagon here, if anyone has just joined this ride of the Glovers cast and missed our coverage of the Legends game last year and some of the people we spoke to, if anyone wants to hear about some of those stories with Adam Stansfield, there's loads of content from that day, from that whole build-up. We spoke to Andy Lindegaard, Chrissy Wheel. We've had them all on and talked about Adam at great length. And um, that was a real honour to do. I know we all absolutely loved every second of that when we got that opportunity. So if anyone has joined us in this past year and didn't know that that was a thing, take a couple of minutes of your time to go and dig that that content out because yeah a real wonderful trip down memory lane and all the stuff from that legends game and all the rest of it so so awesome to be just a teeny tiny part of that they the guys did some incredible work there so if anyone has joined us and wants to go and find that yeah good stuff good stuff indeed uh james drew says if you had to sign new players which position would you be strengthening and any particular players signings free agents I'm quite happy with where we are at the moment. I don't think until we know, you know, after a few games where the lay of the land is. I mean, we've we've got players to come back still in Jordan Stevens, who's going to be a big part of things as well. I'm I'm kind of happy and I don't go scouring for free agents and all that sort of thing. I mean, if someone from League One wants to drop down and uh, have a decent standard. Well, you and Pollock. Yeah. You and Pollock will always be welcome. Bailey yeah. Cargill, we've gone off now. Yeah. Scott Pollock. Um, I, mm, um, <laughs> if I was being mega... I bought super a T-shirt off him the other day. <laughs> off vinted. Um, at this very early stage, I the only thing that really looks a little bit light for me is right wing back. Um, it might be asking an awful lot of Zach Bell to put every game in this season. He would have to... He would do a lot of growing up very quickly and I wonder if over the course of time we might need another right wing back, but I would be quite happy if that was just a reactionary loan should Zach Bell get a knock or have to come out of the firing line. So, But I'm similar to you, Ian, in the vast majority of it. We're in a good place. Let's get this lot rolling. David? Uh-huh. David, or are you happy? No, I'm happy. I'm happy. Okay. No, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I, I can't think of anywhere that I, I genuinely would... Um... Yeah, would would strengthen. I think, like you said, we've got to, we've got to see what um what happens, and there undoubtedly will be be injuries. But no, at the moment, I, I don't think I would add anything. Uh, almost a pro pilot says. Any score predictions for the weekend? I think um, I think it will be a difficult game. Yeah, um, I, do. Uh, I know that. Uh, hopefully, tomorrow morning we will play you. Uh, tomorrow morning, yes, yeah, Saturday morning. There will be another um, away supporters uh, segment with Lee from the Pod Full of Saints, St. Elburn's uh, fan, will tell us about. But they sound like they're a decent side. They've obviously made the playoff final last year. Um, and, yeah, they, 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 they played some good stuff by the sounds of it. So I think it'll be a difficult game. And if we could, if we could uh, get a 2-1 two, two maybe, um, that would be... I think I yeah. think it'll be I think it'll only be by a goal. A 99th minute 
winner yeah, after exactly. all that stoppage time that goes on now. Yes, yeah. Um, I think if we score early, the floodgates might open. If we don't, we scrap a 1-0. I think we come out of it with the three points regardless. Score early, I'm talking first five, ten minutes. I think we could start to really get in the groove and I we could get a 3 4 nil If we don't score early, we we will find a way through. I'm I'm convinced of it. Well, Mark Cooper described said St. Albans are quite an attacking team, play an open, yeah. expansive game, which hopefully will lend itself to us being able to carve through them. I think Hemel were very sort of narrow, resilient, dogged. So I think it will be a different sort of game. But like you said, they they were in the playoff final last year. They they're a, they know what it takes to get results and be a good test for us, for sure. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. Um, he, uh, almost a pro pilot also asks, which of the current Yeovil squad would you be happy taking care of your kids? Should you have any? I do, too. Um, <laughs> taking care of the kids. I don't. I don't have any kids. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, because uh, Frank Newble was asking around on Twitter um, which, uh, which schools were good in the Oval area. So mm-hmm. he is obviously a man who cares very deeply about the education of his children. Yeah. And therefore, I would, I would trust him with yeah. Ben's kids. Well, then, <laughs> and you know what? I would I'm not sure you. I would trust Ben's kids with him, but uh, the other way around. I, I trust you with the judgment on my children's future. <laughs> right, so, okay. um, yeah. Frank Newell spoke, what was it I said in the chat? He spoke calmly and professionally with the kind of authority we really could have done with last season. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, noobs, look after the kids for you, mate. Me and the wife want to go out for dinner. Thanks, cheers, mate. I'm going with Frank as well. Okay, there you go. Frank it is. I don't think think people would, I don't think kids would argue with Frank either, would they? I reckon if he told them it was time to go to bed, they'd go to bed. Don't argue with a man that size, I tell you. Freddie, that okay. (laughs) <laughs> <Would he rather? laughs> uh, London Green Dave says if we were to do the away terrace and had to ground share for the first two home games which ground would you want to share with is there anything in the rule book to stop playing home games abroad I would I would pick AFC filed because it is the closest to my house so. selfish <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't know if they do sell fish, but it is close to the coast. Um, oh dear. I don't know. I guess, I guess if the attendances creep up, we might have to ask Ashton, Ashton Gate if they're busy. <laughs> How far are these attendances going? I don't know. If we're going the right way. I don't know. I don't know. I've never thought about it. You know oh, how you know how uh during pre-season when like the Premier League teams go to like America and they turn like a baseball ground into a football pitch. I think Somerset Cricket Club. Uh, yes. Turn that into Super a football associates. pitch. Yeah, turn that into a football pitch. Love it. There you go. Good floodlights as well. Great floodlights. The logistics of trying to play cricket on again afterwards would be difficult, but I appreciate where we're going with it. Uh, Jonathan Adams says, evening, guys. Evening. Coatsy. Oh, he says, Costsy. Costsy, were you in the Crabtree? If not, why not? Biggest bar they will get all season. I wasn't in the Crabtree because I um, messaged my mate and he said he was in the club bar. 
um, which I went in, which was was, uh, was was very nice. A lot of people in there, but I do know a lot of people went into the crab tree as well. So no, I wasn't there, but I am hoping to be in the fan zone this weekend. This weekend? At Hewish Park. Are you coming down? I'm coming down. Is that breaking news? I didn't know you were coming oh, down. That is, that is outrageous. <laughs> not, it, it, it's, it's not breaking news, <laughs> really. But yeah, it is, uh, it is my birthday on Monday. So I'm coming down to... Is that breaking news? Uh, only 43-ish years ago. Yeah, it was breaking oh. news then. The, the ish is doing a lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> it is, yeah. Well, I've got, I've got a couple of days left yet. So... Uh, but yeah, get you on the pitch, sign shirt, match ball, <laughs> yeah. that, make it mascot, mascot, yeah, all kit wanker, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I am. I'm, 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 I'm driving down Saturday morning, stopping at the game, going on to Bournemouth, a couple of days there, back up for the Truro game, hanging around for a couple more days, and then driving back up. He's on tour. Season, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's on for record. And then, even more annoyingly. The Saturday, because you can tell that I haven't planned this well. You're doing Maidstone. I'm catching a train down to bloody Folkestone, going through Maidstone <laughs> to go and see my mate in Folkestone instead. And I should have been stopping in Maidstone. So I'd have done the first four if it, if it wasn't for this stupid idea to change the game. But anyway, I wasn't in the crab tree, but I hopefully, if, I, if my journey's all right on the way down, I'll be in the, uh, in the fan zone. Breaking news. Breaking news. Um, oh, I've, my screen's loaded. Uh, da, 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 da. If you could bring, if you could bring back and also get rid of one chance on the Thatcher's Terrace, what would it be? This is from Raging Bull Skittles. Um, <laughs> wow! I, I think anyone with a name like that should come up with his own chance. I think. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'd like to hear more of the classic. We all follow the Yeovil over land and sea, mm. onto victory. That, that um, which seems to have dwindled out. That's a great shout. More of that? Yeah, do like that. I was always a big fan of Graham Roberts' Green and White Army, but you can't really do that <laughs> anymore. That, that just reminds me of when I was young. Do they still do um, Hey, Hey Baby, Ooh, ah, I Want to Know, Do You Love the Town? With the manager's name. DJ in... Utsi's Classic. DJ Utsi's Classic. It was a bit of that the weekend, wasn't it? Was there? Before I, I did always like that. I like that that was interchangeable no matter who was in the uh, in the dugout. So, so shall I tell you who that was sung at on Saturday? Martin Hellier. There you go. <laughs> as, as he made his uh, quote understate understated entrance into the away end with Mr. Rosser in tow. Equally understated from what I could see on the video. Could we have could we have one of those chants for Reese Rosser, please, this week? There's too many rhymes there. Let's not, let's not, let's not risk oh, it. Oh, <laughs> uh, Moving on, there was, which one do you want to get rid of? I don't like it when they said let him die, when someone yeah. felt like got injured. I tell you one that I don't, uh, that, that, that I don't like, they just, it's like the most stupid, pedo. They chant pedo at people all the time, and it's just like, A, it's not really very funny anyway, is it? But B, Why? <laughs> I mean, come on, look here. Look, yeah, I, I know dictionary definitions aren't really in the minds of the people who are shouting this, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> and just away from the offensive ones, can I suggest uh, the battered everywhere they go one? Because it's just annoying and silly. Because when you lose, 
And... Oh yeah, so and so. Yeah, someone else gets battered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Given that we've been battered everywhere we go for quite a few seasons, then. Well, yeah, exactly, Dave. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I think that's it for Twitter. I mean, it's half past nine, and I'm not going to refresh it and get more because this podcast is going to be a marathon for everyone listening. And uh, it's a marathon. We've still got exactly, exactly, and we've still got the quiz to go. Dave, do you want to tee up our contestants for tonight or, or is it already teed up? It's already teed up. Don't worry. It's all sorted. You just bang it on the end. And uh, yeah, we do, we're doing it again next week. And I'm very grateful to everyone who's put their names forward for the grid. Got a nice little list of people built up now, but I will undoubtedly be in the market for more soon. So give it a listen. If you fancy yourself at it, I will uh, I will resubmit the, uh, the Google uh, document that you can put yourself forward to it. Come on. Be brave. See you on Saturday, Dave. See you Saturday. Enjoy the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Ding, ding. Round two. The Glover's Cast quiz is here. And we are joined once again by, going to have to get this right now, current Glover's Cast quiz champion, it's Mr. Rob Manley. Rob, how are you? I'm good, Dave. How are you? You all right? I, I'm all right. How many times have you been stopped in the streets and asked for your autograph since last week? Uh, a few, yeah, a few. A few? Uh, yeah, your listenership is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, the high street you see over is not a safe place for me to walk <laughs> in. So, uh, yeah. well, can, I, can I just say, I'm, I'm impressed that people have gone to the effort to find out what you look like from an audio-only <laughs> podcast. That is, uh, is a level of stalking, which I, I completely, uh, uh, I'm, I'm completely on board with. Well, we, we had to find... A, uh, a a worthy contender for the um, for the second round, and that's not to say Robin wasn't worthy. He obviously did uh, he did he did he did his best. But we've pulled out the big guns for this one. We've gone back to the the COVID nineteen season. We all remember it well, don't we? And uh, to the man who was the voice of Yeovil Town for then, yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is Mr. Marcus Duncan. The voice of doom. The voice of doom is here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> ready, ready to, uh, ready to take it on. Well, Rob, as we discussed last week, uh, we but because we are playing, or you are playing, I should say, against younger opposition, we've had to, uh, we've had to ask Marcus what season he began supporting Yeovil Town. Okay. Now, and and anyone older than than nineteen is going to have to be sick now. When when was it, Marcus, that you began? Uh, I'd say, well, I started going around 2007, I'd say, but I didn't really know what was going on. You just sort of go and enjoy the occasion. Um, apart from liking Marcus Stewart, because he had my name, but uh, I'd say 2010, 11-ish was when it properly. 2010. Well, 2010 is what you've said to me. So yeah, I've, yeah, uh, yeah. I've only selected the players who are from 2010 onwards. So... The rules of the game are simple. Yeovil Town, who am I? I will read out a biography that I've scribbled from three players. Uh, and it is the first to two, get my words out there, that um, uh, wins the uh, wins the prize. And the honour of coming back next week or trying to find a time in your respective hectic schedules to come back. So are you both ready? Always. I've delayed too long. I can tell Ian's already going to tell me off of rabbiting on too much. So let's get going. Right. Okay. Up oh, number one. 
I was born in Sheffield, South Yorkshire in August 1980 and started out in the Tranmere Rovers Academy where I was quickly promoted to the first team. As an 18-year-old, I was handing my professional debut in the middle of defence during a 1-0 defeat at Grimsby Town in May 1999 and went on to become a regular, including an FA Cup quarter-final appearance against Liverpool in 2001. I then joined Hull City in League Two and was part of the Tigers' side. Richard Hines is the right answer. Yes. Well, very impressive. Where did, where, what, what gave it away? Whole City? No, centre-half, 1980, yeah. and, and talking about um, going to Hull. Yeah, Hull and Tranmere, that gave it away. He's up that way, wasn't he? And, you know, it was. Was a, it was a bit of a guess, but yeah. getting early. It was I'm not going to get a word in, am I? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going go that way. Well, I was going to say, because they won promotion at Hewish Park in 2004. That was my first Yeovil reference that I, I did. Actually, you know... My, he was one of my favourite players, Richard Hines. He was quality. He was. Yeah, no, he was very good. Well, I, I, I was going to say, there was a theme to this. I've, I've deliberately made a theme and I've deliberately not said it, haven't I? Um, so these are, in honour of uh, our first day uh, shenanigans, uh, these are all players that have scored for us in the first game of a season. So, um, yeah, Richard Hines scored for us can't twice. be many then, can there, since 2010? Yeah. <laughs> Scored twice in an EFL trophy win over Colchester United, which is our first game of the of the championship promotion season. Then he scored again uh, in a, in a one-all draw aimed at Coventry in the first League One game. So there you go. Anyway, so all first-day scorers, yeah. Okay, you ready for number two? Let's go. I'll take that as a yes. I was born in Hartlepool in February 1993 and joined the academy at Middlesbrough, where I captained the under-21 side before earning a full... Matt Dolan, going in early. Matt Dolan is the right answer, yes. <laughs> yes, that was. He's, he's beaten you at your own game there, Rob, I have to say. That he's was got, good. He's, he's that was very, very good. early, yeah, yeah, okay. Matt Dolan is the correct answer, right. Well, we like it this way, don't we? So it's, uh, it's neck and neck. I mean, I don't like the fact that I've written an entire bloody <clears throat> biography out. But anyway, OK. Yeah, scored a penalty in a 2-1, a 3-2 away defeat at Exeter City on the opening day of whatever that terrible season we endured under Paul Sturrock was 2015 or something like that. OK, right. The third and decisive one. I was born in Hayes, West London in December 1996, but grew up in Lymington in Hampshire. And I was just 11 years old when I signed for the academy at AFC Bournemouth. Whilst a second year scholar, I made my first loan spell as a 19 year old to Paul Town, scoring on my debut and going on to play 18 times for the Southern League side, scoring eight goals in total. That would prove to be the first of a lot of loan spells for me. I spent time at Torquay United, Wrexham and Woking in 2015 alone before following that up with graduation to the Football League. There were two spells at Gillingham, one at Newport County, and then it was back into the non-league where I finished the 2017-18 season at Boreham Wood. In total, I managed... 14 goals in those eight loan spells, not a great record for a striker. It led to my, me being released by Bournemouth in the summer of 2017, and it was Maidenhead United, not far from where I was born, that was my next port of call. That didn't last very long, though. It was October 2018 when a new manager didn't take a fancy to me, transfer listed me, and I ended up joining Boreham Wood and was subsequently loaned out to Eastbourne and Haventon Waterlooville. 
Next stop, Dagenham and Redbridge in the summer of 2019. My first two goals actually came in a 3-2 home win over Darren Siles Yeovil. Joe Quigley. Joe Quigley is the right answer. Oh, Rob. Well played. I'm devastated for you. I honestly am. It was so exciting to win last week. Exactly. (laughs) Devastated. But hey, if you've got to lose to someone, you you can lose to Marcus. All good. (laughs) There you go. Well played, Marcus. That was well done. It was that Dagenham away that got it for me. I remember that. That's it. I never even got to refer to him as a head on a stick, did I? So, (laughs) Ryan. Well, Rob, back to being former Glover's Cast Quiz champion, but I think... uh, that the, the, the acronym seems to have stuck with you now. I feel so. like it sticks better, you know. It just you means you get a chance to come back for a hat-trick again. So, one day. Wow. Absolutely. Your time your time will come. Well, uh, Rob, thanks for taking part. Um, no hope worries. you carry on listening and you don't, uh, uh, you, you don't boycott from now on. And uh, Marcus, we're going to have to find a time for you to come back next week now. Yeah, it's uh, first thing in my diary now. Okay. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell, tell work you need time off to go and read up on. I'm going to find someone who's deliberately younger than you, so that we've basically got this season to go on. That's all. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> right. Okay, gents. Well, thank you very much again for joining, and we will be back with more quizzing next week. Cheers, Dave. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Marcus. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. Lindergaard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott.